Happy Sunday, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Sunday Social. I'm Kelly J. Lewis, and with me as always is Thomas Ware III. Our guest today is Kiowa Tribal Legislator from District 4, Mr. Jesse Speedock. How are you, Jesse? Oh, it's awesome. Good happy Sunday to y'all. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a beautiful day. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. We wanted to catch up with you and ask you a couple of things about how things have progressed with the COVID pandemic and uh, the Kiowa tribe. Now, one of the things that you had talked about when uh, you were on the show the last time was prioritizing helping families. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I'm seeing is that the elders are still having issues getting assistance. So how is it going helping those families? Well, it's it's a little different for each district because each district has their own rep that they they elected and voted for, and that's supposed to be like their their shepherds. Um, But as communicative as far as the legislature is concerned, we're, we're trying to pull the resources together and get get the funding that's owed to the tribe. And that's what we're trying to help our elders. But as far as the issue still is just getting in contact with people. Um, we've actually doubled our last time I talked to you guys, um, we've actually doubled our contact list. Like with people with updated information, phone, phone services, um, emails. I mean, we, we actually doubled our contact list because usually it just, I just speak on district four and it's about, Roughly about 180 that participated. We doubled the size just the last time I talked to you guys. So the big, still the biggest issue is about how help is is basically just getting in contact with them, just so they can give services because the information we got is either outdated or some people claim that they haven't changed their address in years, but their phone numbers changed like 20 times. So it's kind of hard to get in contact with people even still today. Well, but on the other side of that, tribal members have a hard time getting a hold of anybody at the complex to get their address changed for enrollment for the tag agency. And I want to talk about the tax commission. No, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta physically, you gotta physically drive to Carnegie and walk inside the complex to actually talk to anybody. Like that's the way it's been for years. And like, if you want to, if you want to change your address or, you know, do any of that kind of stuff, like it's almost like you have to plan on just on not going to work for a day just to go deal with business at the tribe. Well, see, that's where the, the things have changed since then. Um, I mean, just that's specifically why I wanted to move to my district. As Thomas question is, you have to drive a lot. As a little kid, when I was growing up, you know, I always hated that drive from Lawton to Carnegie. I've always hated it. And it's just because that long drive. And then when you get there, you know, your parents got to talk to every tribal member that they know that's their family, which is everyone's our family. So we would, we would spend exactly an all-day thing. Well, that's what the whole reason of your legislators are for within those districts is to, is to have that capability of doing all that paper and processing work in your district now given the fact we can't create ids yet but um a lot of that stuff is just information that could be transferred from your districts to the tribe but i think the first course of action is if you want to do update address you know anything within a tribe that legislative office within that district that you're that you're in 
that should be your first step. At least get in contact with your representative first. So that way they know you're there. And then also, if you have to go other means of change your address within the tribe, like walking to the tribe and doing it, at least your representative would know there too. And then kind of help you out as guiding, like, hey, they came to my office, they have the address, what's going on? And then, then we can start looking at the how the tribe is running its operations because maybe we need to change some things or maybe some people ain't doing the job they're supposed to be. But I'm just saying it's just it's about getting in contact. That's what I see as a legislator. I'm having I'm still having trouble uh, getting in contact with directly two people. Well, um, and here's the thing, <clears throat> just as a citizen, as a citizen mm-hmm. in general, when I go to a government office Whatever government office that may be, if it's the local one or if it's the one that's at the complex, when I change my address there, I expect it to be changed. I don't expect to have to follow up with what with what I tell these people and say, okay, well, now I got to go make sure that they have it done at the complex because it's like Thomas said, if I'm going to do that, I'm just going to go ahead and take the whole day off and go to the complex and wait around and chase these people and, oh, well, now this person's on lunch break and, oh, now they're on a smoke break and, well, all I want to do is change my address so I can vote or get my tag or whatever. You know, and so there's got to be a more efficient way for constituents to be able to not only have their basic information be updated, but have access to whatever resources on that local level. Well, like I said, I mean, the first step is getting, if you want direct support, your legislator needs needs to know who you are as far as their own contact list. Because if you're already an enrolled member, um, if you live in that district, that legislator should be taking care of you. Now, given the fact that District 7 is a huge district and that's 6,000 people, and that's its own issue. 6,000 people need to contact a legislator personally and be like, hey, look, I'm in your district. Here's my information. I mean, that's as simple as that because our biggest issue in the legislative branch, like when we got the $10,000 COVID uh uh, budget allocation for it. The biggest issue is just getting in contact with people. I mean, a lot of people, you know, now that we're thinking about it, and it was weeks ago, we've changed some things since then. But when we first got initial word of that, that, that money that was available, the executive branch already had checks in our names, already, already established for us. So all we had to do is sign for them. But it was like, okay, well, who authorized these checks to be issued to the legislative branch? Well, you know, yeah. it didn't come from the legislative branch, but as far as we getting that initial money, Everyone was everyone. Everyone's hurting still, but the thing is, as far as that first contact of people and information, like I already had my own contact list. I've already know those elders that didn't have phones or didn't have social media. I already had that list of how to get a hold of them. I already knew how to get a hold of them. So that's the thing. As far I, I heard some candidates you talking, even sister and um, Jacob talking about that contact list. It's very crucial about having a a a uh, at the base level contact with your legislator because all those I had direct contact with they got help that was within the first 80 people they got help because I had direct contact with them now the people who I had issues with about getting help too are the ones that didn't have an updated address or they had a, a phone number that I didn't even know about but this is like weeks later I'm still getting people to come in which is awesome because now I have direct contact with 
you know, over 200 people that can respond directly to me. <clears throat> so that's been the biggest issue I've had is just getting contact. Now, we have a lot more to go, but as getting direct services to people, I would say it's just about getting contact with your legislator first. That's the first step. And like I said, you, you're right. You shouldn't have to track down, going to the complex, taking a whole day off. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, like I said, the drivers have been closed down too, so they haven't been fully operational. And I know Myrna, she's she's there most of the time doing her job, but like I said, they had computer issues too just recently. Well, and so when you said, I want to get back to those checks. You know, mm -hmm. you talked about that each legislator was given that ten thousand dollar check in their name, and basically, I mean. What was what was the instructions? Was there anything that you guys had to go by as far as like who needs to get help first or how you were gonna disperse it or any of that? Was there was there any of that discussion? Was there any direction given or it was just a check and here's here's ten thousand, spend it how you think you need to spend it? Any kind of guidelines? <laughs> no. I'm just telling you there was no guidelines. What happened was, you know, like as soon as it popped up, before we were talking on the radio show, well, what happened was is that, you know, COVID started running shit. I just came back from D.C. I was self-quarantined in Texas. And one of the issues was, you know, just about my exposure to the elders because I didn't know if I had it or not because I just came from D.C. Or not. So during that time frame, I was in Texas. Uh, I guess it started the the response started, people started getting laid off and, and you know, it started, it started to rise up a little bit more than what it was. So I wouldn't say a panic, but a crucial emergency meeting was held within the executive branch. Um, without the really legislators being aware of it at the time, I guess it was just their, their, uh, their response team as far as answering, what are we going to do? Well, Apparently, I guess it was set up that we were going to take $70,000 from the uh, legislative branch. And like I said, they made the decision to get these checks made out from the legislative budget in response to $10,000 per district. Now, we never really authorized any authorization to come from our budget, but we were told during that meeting, um, another meeting that we were invited to later on when we made the decision that night, is that, you know, that money was going to be refunded from the FEMA funds. So I don't know if our funds have even been reimbursed yet, but it came from our legislative budget. And it's something we fought for during the modification of giving each district, you know, additional funds because you have people who use that, that social service funds and they've been cut off because they used it already, or they use the chairman's funds and they've been cut off already because they used it. And I wouldn't say some people are problematic of using those funds constantly, which depletes it. But the fact of it is, you know, people are in hard times. We all agree that Kiowas have never been a wealthy tribe, but it's something we're trying to change. And not limit people's services, but the fact of giving them benefits to, to get access to other funds. So that's what some of the legislative branch has been fighting for, is additional funds with each district, specifically within the district. Because you might get people in District 7, because you know District 7 is a huge district. So they may there, there may be people with individual situations that they never asked for help for in the tribe and they never got it. But yet this time they were able to get it as long as they got in contact with the legislator. Now the issue is it's about funding. Really? There's just not enough funds to go around. People complain about the $6 million. It's all there, but yet 
the government shut down. We have employees play, uh, laid off from our tribe. And then yet they're seeking, uh, uh, what you call it? Uh, I can't think right now. Well, <laughs> unemployment. I ask you, yeah, yeah, they're getting unemployment, but they can't. I mean, there's, it's back and forth. So the biggest issue was dispersing that money directly. And what the, each legislator had to go to, if they didn't have a personal contact list of each person already, it was virtually impossible to get in contact with the people directly because the only thing that legislators have is just a name and an address. That's it. So when we're trying to contact people, we would have to mail out a letter and wait for a response back. And that's about a you know, six-day turnaround or even a 10-day turnaround. And yet this money was depleted within the first 48 hours from contact the person to person. And as I am very, very visible, social media contact, I put out the word, hey, get in contact with me and I'll get in contact with your legislator. Vice versa, I was being the middleman for a lot of districts. But then again, you know, my own district, we suffered the fact of, you know, not getting the word out to people enough because, like I said, only I had is a name and an address. So a lot of people got left out. A lot of elders got left out. I mean, as far as responsibility as a legislator, that's my responsibility to get in contact with these people. So what we've created since then is a, di a different way of getting contact with people, reaching out to those family members, creating our own contact list, regardless of what the tribe has. At least I have a list of our members within our district. All right, so I, I, got, a, I got another question about the, the 10000 that each legislator got. Uh -huh. So is there... Because I heard one legislator saying that um, it was an application process that went through finance and all that. Whoever whoever got help had gone through that process. But yeah. if I mean if if you're if you got this ten thousand, I mean, was there any kind of was there some kind of process like that? Is there is there some record of how this ten thousand was spent from each legislator? Well, there is records. Um, that's, that's when the checks were made because when it first put out, um, this is like, I started this list like before I, when I, when I first came back from DC, y'all know, I talked to y'all when I was in quarantine. Um, I started talking with my staff there and saying, Hey, we need to get a list of our, of our current members and get them ready to go. Cause if we get funding, we need to, we need to make sure we get it to them fast as possible. So I started compiling a list already. Um, just with updated number, address, and the person where they physically lived to make sure they were in the district. Um, the biggest issue that we that I ran into then was just getting contact with more people. Um, there was no criteria of how we were going to do it, but in the meeting, uh, majority said, you know, take care of elders um, first. But I had an issue with that during a meeting because we have a lot of young families too. Um, people who don't meet the, the financial criteria because they make a little bit too much because they live by themselves, or you have a grandma that's, that's 60 that doesn't qualify as an elder but raising four grandkids. You know, like I know personally that there, there are families out there in my district that are hurting in that reason um, because they're doing that. Um, the other issue is that some people couldn't get help because, you know, they were, they were just too young. <laughs> they weren't elders. But yet some of our elders, you know, I got phone calls from our own district members saying, hey, I'll take care of my family member. Don't, you know, we don't want them to be exposed to anything. We'll take care of them. I said, okay. So we crossed them off the list as per the family. 
and I got in contact with some elders, and they said, yeah, we're fine. And some elders, you know, we ended up helping them anyway just because, it, you know, they're, oh, they're owed that. But a lot of this conception of the elders only in that uh, application, we've already developed a list already. And it's something I was talking with the executive branch. Like, hey, look, I already got a list. Here's the names. Here's the address. I need checks for these people. And then what happened is since I already had a list and I had a criteria of who I was helping, I think the other legislators started following the suit and said, hey, you know, let's, let's do this. And then what happened is the executive branch decided, well, okay, well, we're going to turn this into a process then. We're going to turn an application process. Well, that was designed by the other legislators is what they wanted to do. I already had my list and was ready to go. But the issue with the, the contact list, like in District 7, Melinda Waters, she, had a, she wanted to make people um, – Fill out application, given their history and what they needed for, which was good for her district because she had a personal information. But, but I mean, that's not it, fair across the board for all Kiowa citizens. If one if one district has to, you know, just says, "Okay, here's my name," and he, okay, well, here's your check, and then other ones have to like say, "Well, I have to prove that I'm more needy of it." And that's why I asked at the beginning of the show about these families, because you came back to that and talking about mm-hmm. these non-traditional families. And we're six weeks into this crisis. And what I'm seeing is and a lot of legislators saying, well, we're still trying to help the elders. And it's like, man, it's six weeks later. There are so many young families and non-traditional families that really need this help and need these resources. And it's like it's it's walking through the mud now yeah i mean i agree <clears throat> i agree but like i said i'm only a legislator within the district that my responsibility first of all is my district my my whole intention is taking care of my district only and then it starts spewing into taking care of the rest of the tribe only you know in those steps in that order now the benefit of every district i mean that's that's based upon the people who they voted to represent them. You know, I'm not trying to badmouth any other legislature because we all have our different opinions of how we govern. But like I said, those people voting into office are charged with the responsibility of taking care of their district. I mean, that's what their whole purpose is there, is taking care of your district. Now, I have a little more leeway as to who I help. I mean, I help any and everybody who come up. First come, first serve. If they need help, they're going to get it. I can't just wait for people to call me three weeks later saying, hey, I need help. Well, you should have called me within the first 24 hours of even notifying. And some people, like I said, I can't get a hold of them. And like I said, that goes back to the original issue of not being able to get in contact with them. So, yeah, I, I, I hear your frustration about it. And it's something I'm trying to change, too, as far as helping our government out. If we need to get help to these people, but it goes back to the issue of funding. Now, I, now me, I can, I can only personally help maybe a couple families because I still got my family too, you know, single dad. Now I got to educate my children, homeschool them. And I still got to, you know, I still got to take care of my own family. I still got my mother and my dad, you know, my extended family. So when other families come, I'm able to help a little bit, but I can't, you know, I can't exhaust my own personal funds for, you know, all of my district members. I just can't do it financially. Neither can the tribe. The tribe can't fund 100% of our Kiowa uh, tribe citizens. It just can't happen because our funding is not there. But what we could do in the future, I mean, 
everyone's wanting the direct answer right now, but there is no direct answer right now. Other than the funding that's supposed to be coming in from the government, um, we've, we've applied, the tribe has applied for those funds and the loans, but some of the issue goes back to structuring how the government operates. Now, we, we've been trying to get these boards and stuff filled and for a long time now, almost a year. And yet the executive branch has parlayed on the fact of, well, we're going to submit people when we need them. And it shouldn't be that way. We should already have these boards and commissions already up and running. So that way, when we get in situations like this, we'll have a means of communicating with other government programs within the tribe is what can we do if possible. And what we haven't done yet in the government is sit down and develop a way of how we're going to do things as a structured-based model. We haven't done that. It's almost been like a wild west of, okay, you're going to get this money. You're going to help this many people figure it out. Well, <laughs> it's like I said, best practices learn from your mistakes. Failure is the best teacher. So what we've developed over the time is how are we helping our people directly, you know, and it's always coming back to getting contact with people. Everyone that I've gone to contact with have been put on that primary list that got help or been on a secondary list. So when this next funding comes through, if we get it, and I'm pretty sure we're going to most likely try to, I mean, really honestly try to get this money, it's going to help out more people. But I don't know if it's going to be direct services like a check or it's going to be linked into social services. I don't know how that's going to operate. Let's so, switch gears a little bit. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Let's switch no, gears a little bit with the last couple of minutes that we have, and let's talk about the tax commission and what the Kiowa tribal members can expect because uh, the, the complex has been shut down, and mm -hmm. a lot of folks are having those issues with their tags being expired. And we're in Oklahoma here, and some of the law enforcement is not friendly to Indian tags anyway. And so yeah. I know that the chairman sent a letter out. How is the tribe going to help its citizens? Are y'all going to help pay fines or help get cars out of impound? Or you know what I mean? What, how is if somebody gets their car taken away or gets ticketed or whatever because of an expired tag. Yeah. Well, like, um, as soon as I got that memo from the chairman, it was, it was basically addressing just that about the tag commission because other legislators, you know, I think, um, Medina water was fighting for that too, because some people, you know, especially her district, they don't live in Oklahoma. So a lot of people have power plates that are out of state, and yet they're getting pulled over because of expired tag. But what the chairman's letter stated is that um, they would still be working. I don't know how they're scheduling their work because, um, like I said, that's the executive branch, and that's how uh, the program's run on that side. Um, that's separate from the legislative branch. But what they've stated in their letter is that the chairman would, you know, I think what they're trying to do is establish their their work protocol because they had people that were, you know, exposed to COVID within the office. And we had tribal members who possibly been exposed just by contact of letter or plates or whatever. Um, they've had to shut down extended days. So they've actually just recently extended to May 11th. It was supposed to be um, a soft opening, opening um, May 1st, but they extended to May 11th. But from the letter uh, from the chairman saying that, you know, if they were being pulled over or ticketed, um, the chairman would help compensate that in his letter. Um, I think I posted that like almost uh, maybe uh, this week, I think, is when that letter came out. I can't remember the exact day, but the chairman did say that we're going to try to compensate people who are in that 
in that gray area of, you know, their tags are getting ready to expire or they're expired, how they get to it. I think they have created a, a, a work protocol of getting services to the people on the tags and the registration. Just people just have to, I guess, just call in and still go through the same process. They'll have a limited staff of what they can do. But like I said, that office directly in the tribe was, had direct contact with COVID-19. You know, some employees, some people got sick in that office. So they're, they did through cleaning protocols and they're extending, you know, making sure people come back to work. They're not exposed or there's protocols of them coming back to work. Um, so, like I said, there is direct services that the chairman put out in his letter that those people will be compensated if they did get a ticket. Now, it goes back to the tribal member self-responsibility. It's because it's there. You know, you have to have some type of way of getting that letter to uh, print it out yourself and carrying it with you just in case your tag is expired or, you know, you're you're driving around with an expired tag. You, at least you have some type of letter saying, hey, like, I have this tag. It's going through my tribe. This is my chairman's directly speaking to the officer on hand or whatever, saying, hey, look, this is it. And if you have to go to court on a ticket, you know, that's something the tribe would help out. Because, like I said, due to the fact of our government shutdown, it can't limit it to our population saying, hey, you know, based upon our COVID shutdown, the government really has to have a little leeway during the situation, too. Um, city government, municipalities, they understand that they're going to get ticket because people got expired tags, but... So it, it goes can, back. Yeah, it goes back. If I go to jail, if I go to jail, I can call Matt. He can come bail me out on executive powers. <laughs> Show him your letter. Be sure to print yeah. that letter. Well, out. Show him your letter. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, that's just the first initial step of what you could do. Um, but like I said, it goes back to, I mean, what can I do? And that's just a means of helping out in that situation because a lot of officers right now, they understand there's a COVID and they're not going to pull you over for rinky-dink stuff. Now, if you go to some of these small towns that are hurting for money, they're going to give you a ticket no matter what. I was going to say, I got pulled over during this stuff for something I wasn't even doing just because I had a travel tag. They, they'll well, say it wasn't that, but I mean, we all know. So, I mean. Well, racism is still alive in today. I mean, it's, it is. It is what it is. Especially like in the Tiger King country. <laughs> but like I said, it goes back to being your own self-aware, you know, able to help your own self. You know, if you got an expired tag, you know, or limit your driving, or if you have to go to work, just take the letter with you because, I mean, you still got to go to work if you're needing to go to work. But like I said, the, the, that letter is not going to get you. It's not a get-out-of-free-jail card either. You know, I'm not going to sell the fact of, oh, it's just like I got this letter, you can't do anything to me. Yeah, there's still laws apply, and you still have an expired tag, but it'll give you some type of fighting chance if you have to try to fight this in court. Say, hey, look, I can't get a tag because my government shut down, and they're the only ones that get this through. Um, most judges will see it leniency during the situation and just probably nullify it. Um, but you also got those you know, habitual um, lawbreakers that say, oh, I got an expired tag. I, I got a couple more months to do this. I don't have to get it registered. You, you know, you'll get that class too. That's the ugly right. side of it. <laughs> so. Yes, indeed. You know how Indians are. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to our version of Sunday Social today. Thanks so much to Kiowa Legislator from District 4, Jesse Speedock. Jesse, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk to us and to clear up some things. Thank you so much. 
Yeah, I wish we had more time to talk. I, I need to get down and talk with y'all in the studio whenever we get things going open up again. I'm here to tell you we do appreciate it. I'm, uh, I yeah, know that uh, the last time you were on was uh, quite popular. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. A lot of people don't like the truth. And that's what I was going to ask you about real quick was like the backlash of that. Did you, did you have a lot of like a lot of negativity come off of that? But it's, it sounds like you had a lot of people contact you too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a give and take, you know, like regardless of what position you're in a tribe or what, a what elected position you are, you're always going to have a population that's no matter what it, you're doing something wrong, no matter what, because it goes back to, you know, their own political agenda versus, you know, those who are currently in office. And those who are elected carry their own agenda. So the ones who are not elected have their own agenda to how things should be. But yet, you know, they need to step up to the plate and run for office and get their agenda going for their people. But like I said, the backlash is, you know, I'm not a secretive guy. I always keep everything out in the open. I tell it like it is without repercussion of, well, did I do the right thing or not? No, I'm fully transparent. You ask me, I'm going to tell you. That's absolutely and, right. But yeah, I appreciate the time letting me speak to you guys. I really appreciate you guys. Did we lose Jesse Speedock? We lost Jesse Speedock again. Dang it. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Sunday Social. I'm Kelly J. Lewis with Thomas Ware III. Thanks again to Jesse Speedock. Have a great day, everyone.